The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. So this is John 13, 6 through 17. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am I doing? What am I doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to, be, does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. You, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to teach us these lessons and to die on the cross for us, for our sins. We love you and we praise you. And I just pray a blessing over what Randall has to share. Would you uh, send your spirit to speak through him? And would you send your spirit to soften our hearts to hear and believe what Randall has to say? In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Joe. All right, good morning. Welcome to family service. This is awesome. I love it. Um, and, you know, you ask, well, well, why do you do these family services? Um, and we do them periodically, but the, but the reasoning behind is this. We believe that everyone has a seat at the table. We believe that everyone has a seat at the table. And, and what that looks like is this. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, the world sees children as a distraction, as a burden. But what we see in Scripture is that kids are a blessing. They're a blessing from the Lord. And so it says in Psalm 127.3, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. And I want to make this announcement. You ever come in here with your kids and you feel like, oh man, because I have three of them myself, and I think, oh no, like they're getting too loud. They can't be in the service and this and that. Like I've had kids, my kids, and other people's kids, screaming in my face as I've been trying to focus on something. It's okay. It's okay. All right? Like they can come in here, bring them in. Because every time I hear, you know, a, a child scream out or talk or anything like that, what I think is this, that, Lord, you've blessed us today. You've blessed us with that child and that voice that's shouting out to you, Lord, that, that's awesome. So it's okay, all right? So I just want to settle you today. It's fine. And as a church, like, we don't want to be this church that's like, oh, no, like, you know, everything got to be completely silent. Because think about this. The greatest preacher who ever walked the earth, Jesus Christ. Do you think that, the, that it was completely quiet as he had everybody, all the kids, families, and all that stuff gathering to hear his messages? Probably not. It's probably loud, distracting, all that stuff, but he preached some of the greatest messages that this world has ever known, right? And so who am I to say that 
you got to be completely quiet, right? Jesus Christ, that's who he is. That's the God we serve. He, he said, everybody's welcome to the table. We're all going to learn together. And so that, that's our heart for these family series. That's our heart as a church family is we want to raise everybody up in the gospel. And we do everything we can to make that happen. And so right now we're in this series uh, called Jesus, the Path to True Greatness. And what we talked about last week is humility, humility. And our text today is still in John, John 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 17. And we talked about the the path of humility last week, but this week we're going to be talking about the trap of pride, right? The trap of pride. Because when we focused on humility last week, we said, yo, this is good. It's what we need. But there is a trap of pride that all of us can fall into. And so what is pride? Well, in our culture, you know, we think it's, we hear a lot of different definitions. But what we want to get is like, really, what, what is the biblical definition of pride? And pride, summed up, is really this. It's, it's the preoccupation with self at the expense of others, right? It's the preoccupation of self. Think it, it's all about me. Um, some have defined it as an inordinate amount of self-esteem. What it could be summed up is, is this. It's, it's not living in reality. It's not living in the truth. Now, as I said, I've got three kids, and, and my son Kai, he's, he's seven years old. What's up, buddy? He's sitting right there. And one of the things that he does, and he's funny. He cracks me up all the time. But one of the things he says, Dad, look at me. I'm famous. I'm famous. Look at me. Aren't I awesome? I am famous. And uh, I look at him. I say, you know, that's, that's funny. Like maybe in our household, he's pretty famous with his sisters, and they love him, and that's great. But the reality is, he's not really famous. You know, he's, he's not like famous, famous. I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. So, <laughs> and here's the thing. We say, oh, that's cute. That's cute. But um, as a parent, as I dig deeper, I realize how harmful it could be if he's not told the truth. Right? If he's not brought into reality. See, because there are some things that, when it, when it comes to pride, that are very deadly. It's dangerous. And so as a parent, we constantly teach our kids, it's not about you. It's not about you. Like, there's something in this world. When they came into this world, they said, it's all about me. And what we find out from Scripture is that it's the sinful nature we've all been born into and born with. It's all pointing to me, right? That, that's when they were born. It's like, it's all about me. But my job as a parent is to teach them it's not about you. It is not about you. See, because there is a trap of pride. And pride blinds us to the truth. In, in the movie Waiting for Superman, a study showed that in 30 developed countries, Americans ranked 25th in math, 21st in science, but when asked how well we did, we ranked number one in confidence. <laughs> See, our culture is really good with the confidence thing. And what that is, is, is hubris. It's hubris. Pride. And 
early church father Augustine says this. He says, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. Jesus invites us to a different path, the path of humility. But what we must confront on the way is that we are prideful. And Jesus brings it out of us. Why? Because he loves us. Just like a loving father would with their child, he's saying, I love you, I need to show you. Some of you might be saying today, well, I, I hear you, but come on, I'm not that prideful. I'm, I'm not that person. So I want to give some quick warning signs of pride. I'm just going to give some warning signs, and, and let's just see if any of these resonate today, okay? And so I'm just going to go through a list here. The first one is the need to be the center of attention. Walk into the room, and, you know, somebody's telling a story, and you say you're listening, but you're filtering it through your story, and you're filtering it through everything that you think. You say, man, I've got a better story than that story. And so what we call that is the one-upper, right? You, like, go in, and you're, you're not really listening and engaging with what that person's saying, but you're saying, man, I got something better. It's, it's the focus on self. And so how do I craft this so that people are not talking about that person, but now talking about me? The need to be the center of attention. Okay, so that's one. Uh, how about this one? Being jealous or critical of others' success. Social media. I mean, we, we see what, what other people are doing and what's happening in other people's lives. And we say, well, why do they get that? Why is that not me? Oh, uh, they're getting that position? Pff, I'm more qualified than they are for that. Being jealous or critical of other success. Pride. Another one. Always have to be first or win. So what this is, is, you know, like, you're running. There's somebody about to pass you, and you say, no. <laughs> you don't do that, Kai. You don't do that, Kai. <laughs> but, but, but it's like, you know, you're running. <laughs> you do that in a race, yeah. But that's what it is. <laughs> it's, only when the, it's, it's only when you have winners and losers, right? But you always have to be first or win. And, and, and we take this to extremes, don't we? I got to win at everything because I'm a winner. It's pride. It's pride. I have a pattern of lying. Yeah. It's pride. It, it's, it's, being, it's not being willing to be seen in a light that doesn't look favorable. So, well, I got to put on a better face and I got to look better than other people and so I can't let them on in on the, the real things that I'm struggling with or the inside. And so I got to make up a story to make myself look better. Have a hard time admitting that you're wrong. Just not willing to, to do it. You know, I'm always right. Never wrong. Have a lot of drama in your life. Just conflict all the time, right? You think, well, sure, humble people have conflict. Well, Jesus had conflict, but a lot of the times we're not Jesus, right? 
It's pride that just keeps us fighting drama all the time. Have a hard time giving credit to others. Well, I did this and this and this. And whenever somebody asks you about something, well, yeah, it was, it was really me who did it. But then there are a bunch of other people who helped. Just can't really give credit to them. It was me. Look at me. Get mad when others don't acknowledge personal accomplishments. Well, they should know what I've done in life. They, they should know who I am. They should acknowledge my accomplishments and treat me as such. It's pride. Don't see what you have as a gift, but feel like you deserve it. You know, it's like, oh man, it's not God's grace. It's just, I deserve this. I deserve this. It's pride. Constantly compare ourselves to others to make ourselves feel better. Well, at least I'm better than that person. Pride. Pride. Here's the truth. Secretly, we all have pride issues. It's in the heart. And it's scary, isn't it? Because even as we roll through some of these, this isn't all the scenarios where pride creeps in, but these are just some. We say, we would have to say, I've been there. I've been there. How does Jesus help us overcome our pride? Well, let's look at today's text. It's John 13, 6 through 17. And uh, just to give some background, if you weren't able to listen to last week's message, I would say go back and, and listen in. But um, Jesus is preparing for his death. Uh, it says that his hour had come in verse 1. And what we see all throughout the book of John is that Jesus' hour is he was going to die. Die for the sins of the world. And so we see it in John 2, 4, John 7, 8, John 12, 23. It talks about the hour. So we get to John 13. And through uh, the Holy Spirit, John gives us this glimpse into Jesus' focus, what he's focusing on as he's going into his death. And uh, Jesus addresses three areas as we, we look at this text to overcome pride. To overcome pride. So I'm going to give you all three up front, and we're going to break these down from this text today uh, together. And so here are all three points up front. The first one is personal blind spots, positional power, practical application. Personal blind spots, positional power, practical application. So we're going to uh, talk about the first point, personal blind spots. Um, and we can find it in verses six through nine. So let's look at these, these, uh, this text together. It says, says uh, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. We have to ask, like, okay, as, as Jesus is going around serving the different disciples, washing their feet, why is it that the story of Peter sticks out? Why do we get Peter's side? Why, why do we get this right here? The reason we get it is because Jesus had to address something in Peter's life. 
he had to come and show Peter something that he didn't know. What it is, is Jesus is revealing a blind spot in his life. See, Peter thought he understood when he didn't. That's a sign of pride. It's thinking that we know when we don't. And Jesus loves Peter so much that he comes to him and he addresses this deadly thing in his life because it needed to be brought from darkness into light. You know what I'm saying? There are some things right now that are in the darkness in our life that need to be brought to light. And Jesus comes lovingly and says, hey, I, I want to tell you something. You need to understand this. What Jesus is addressing here is really a, a spiritual cancer. Pride. Pride. We, we, if you follow the life of Peter, you'll see it all through the thread of his life. But here's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't give up on him. He doesn't give up on him. He keeps coming back again and again. And Jesus, he says, I'm going to have to do surgery on this pride in your life. See, all of us have this spiritual cancer of pride in us. We think we understand. We don't. It's sin. It's sin. And here's the root of sin. I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need God in my life. Jesus, I don't need you to wash my feet. That's the root of pride. Is that when Jesus comes in and reveals something, we say, well, I don't, I don't really need that. See, there's this phrase that says, well, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I hear that. I get that. Right? Like, it's okay to not be okay. For some of us, we think, well, I can't not be okay. And that's a, that's a phrase that, that's helpful. It's okay to not be okay. But do you stay there? Do we stay there, like, in not being okay? Or is Jesus revealing something more that, that we just kind of stop short of? No, Jesus says it's, 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 not, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but I can fix that. I can wash that. I can clean that. Jesus' message is, you're not okay, but I can fix it. Pride will not allow us to see these blind spots. It won't. Our ego, our sin, our failures. I mean, go on YouTube and type in fail. Right? I mean, you see people just doing crazy things and their failures are out there for the world to see. Millions upon millions of views. You say, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be looked at as a, as a failure. I'd rather stay in the darkness and stay in my pride. Jesus says, no, you, you need surgery I want to give you new sight that maybe the world might look at you as a failure if you opened up and said, hey, I need Jesus. 
but he'll give you an identity that can never be shaken. He'll wash you clean in ways that you never could have been washed. You say, man, that, that changes everything for me. See, our personal blind spot is this. We are not as good as we thought we were. We're not. But Jesus says, I'm good. And I'm here. So that's the start, is really addressing those personal blind spots to overcome pride. But the second is this, understanding positional power. Positional power. So look at verses 12 through 14. It says, when he had washed their feet... And put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What's the message Jesus is trying to get across here? Jesus is saying this. He's saying, if you saw me serve like this, If you saw me look like a servant, then nothing is below you. Nothing is below you. If the king of heaven, God, comes down to earth and says, hey, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to make myself look like a servant in the home, washing your feet, nothing's below you if you serve Jesus. See, many of us get caught up in the pride and the positional power saying, well, that's just below me. There's no way I could do that because of who I am. Jesus takes that away. He says, if you're a follower of mine, there's nothing below you. Because if we say that we're not willing to serve like that, we think we're above Jesus. We think we're above Jesus. See, I never thought about it before till recently, but I, I thought about this. You know, like, what was my dad like at work? What's he like at work? I never thought about that before because, you know, in the house, I would see my dad, and he would just do whatever it took. So he's mowing the lawn, he's inside cleaning the bathroom, whatever. I mean, nothing was below my dad. He would just clean, do whatever he needed to do in the house. And he taught us like that. He was just, he's a very humble guy. And so he's clean up, he's doing these things. And so the way that I viewed my dad is I always thought of him like that. He's just dad, just doing his thing. But I never thought about my dad at work. What's he like at work? He's actually like over people. And he's in positional power where he's at. What's he like there? And so I've been asking a lot of questions to my dad. Like, what, what is that like? The difference between, like, my dad at home to my dad at work. And what I found is that even though he's in positional power where he works, he's the same guy that comes home and does the dirty work at home. You see what I'm saying here? It, it, it's... It's not two different people. But it's seeing Jesus in the light of saying this. Like, he's the king of heaven. And he came down here to work and be among us like he was really working like a slave. 
wow. I'm in awe. Right? Like I think about my dad, I'm like, man, I'm in awe. Like, dad, you do all this stuff for us? And what happens is when you see Jesus really laying down his positional power, you say, are you serious? You did all this for us? How could I be prideful and say that I'm above him? Right? And then third, practical application. Practical application. Look at verses uh, 15 through 17. It says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus tells us something very important here. Look at verse 15. He says, I've given you an example. Like, great, I I need to be like Jesus. I need to serve. But he doesn't say, go be like me. Here's what he says. He says, that you should also do just as I have done to you. This is important. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, never allow your obedience of being a servant to him to precede being washed by him. Does that make sense? Like, you have to see Jesus washing you first what he's done, what he's accomplished, this is the gospel, before you say, well, I gotta go do stuff for Jesus. Okay, we, we, we get this switched all the time. We say, well, I gotta go do stuff for Jesus, and then maybe I'll be able to rest in what Jesus has done for me. Jesus says, pride is defeated in your life, when you say, no, 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 no. Look at what he's done for me. Jesus did this for me. He washed me. It's the gospel order. Done, now do. How do you apply this? This is very practical. This will help us to overcome our pride. Some of us are very prideful, listen to this, prideful in our low position in life. Here's what that looks like. Well, woe is me. Nobody cares about me. I never get opportunities. And you're just looking at yourself and you're just focusing on yourself. And so what it is, is we are very prideful in our low position in life. But what Jesus is saying is this. If you're feeling low, focus on your high position. Focus on your high position. What what does that mean? Well, that Jesus has done it for you and that actually he's crowned you and said that you are my son or daughter. That you have all the riches of heaven at your disposal. That, that I am with you. Think on this. You think like maybe you have to do menial work. Right? You say this doesn't matter but not in the kingdom of God. Everything matters to God. We can serve him in anything. And so as, as you feel like, oh man, this stuff is so small, insignificant, he says, no, 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 think on your high position of being a son or daughter of God. But some of us are up here. And we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And this is the gospel flip side. It's this. If you feel like you're up here, he says, no, no, you need to think about how 
you're down here. You need to think that the only reason I'm saved is because of grace, God's grace, that I am a sinner saved by grace. If you feel really high on yourself, you should really think on the low things, right? That if, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have anything that I have. You say, well, I've got all these gifts and abilities. Well, who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? It was all a gift of grace. See, there is no room for pride when you look at grace. It's coming down low and saying, okay, God, I am who I am by the grace of God. I just want you to know that pride will want to sneak in at any moment. And so knowing, first off, if you feel low, to think high. And if you feel high, to think low. And it's the gospel application that keeps coming back again and again in your life. And you say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Remember what's been done. Now you can go do. So here's some takeaways. Um, The first one is this. Seek God's voice. Seek God's voice. I was reading uh, in Psalms the other day, and I came across Psalm uh, 36. Here's what it says. It says, I have a message from the Lord in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. Do you know what this is? The heart of this in this psalm is it's pride. It's pride. There's no fear of God. There's no acknowledgement of God. There's a complete rejection of God. I don't, I don't need God. But, but what it's saying is like seek his voice. And it starts with this, I, I love this quote, and I, and I have to say it to myself all the time because this is when I really, the, the Holy Spirit said, you're not as good as you thought you are. It was this quote. It's C.J. Mahaney, I am a prideful man seeking humility by the grace of God. Why, I had to come to the reality that I'm a prideful man. I don't want to say that. I want to say I'm humble. No, I'm a prideful man. Seeking humility, I want to be humble, but it's only going to happen by the grace of God in my life. It's only by his power. And so as you seek God's voice in your life, here's what we need to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal pride in your life. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to see some of the blind spots that are in my life right now because I don't see them and I need, I need you to show me. I need, when I read the word, I need it to just kind of pop off the page for me. Please help me. That type of heart, God will speak to you. He will. He will reveal blind spots through his word. He will reveal blind spots through prayer. And when he does, here's, here's what we need to do. Own it. Own it. No excuses. You want the word of God? You want, you want him to speak into your life? You gotta say, okay, Lord, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Help me to obey. And what that is, is a, the Bible word is repentance. We look at repentance as a bad word. Oh no, you gotta repent, you know, da, da, da. Repent is a beautiful word because what that means is there's, is there's hope. There's hope. Hold on, I still got a chance to turn around? I, I have a future? Whoa, that's beautiful. 
And so what it is, is owning it and saying, okay, that's who I am. Lord, help me. Um, one of the things this past week that I, I was listening in on some of the conversations with uh, my kids and, and my wife, and, and we were just kind of packing up, getting ready to do something, and, um, and we asked the kids to do some things, right? Like, hey, brush your teeth. It's a good thing. Brush your teeth. And uh, one of them comes back and said, you know, my wife's like, hey, did, did you brush your teeth? So I didn't hear you. I, I did not hear that. And my wife said something profound. She says, because you weren't listening for my voice. You weren't listening for my voice. Here's the thing that doesn't work with God. Well, you know, I, I just didn't hear you. Didn't hear you. Sorry. Were you listening for his voice? You're saying, God, speak to me. Help me to hear from you. I need you. The second is this. Seek outside voices. This is a little scary. Because you're going to let people in and say, hey, can you speak into my life? Can you help me? And, um, and, this, and, and here, here's what we need. We need a starting point. And so as you walk out today, I've got these cards. Okay, everybody can grab one. But here's what this is. It's just called green light. You know, the green light means that you have permission to speak into my life. And so there are people in your life that have earned the right to be heard. They've been there with you. They, they've prayed with you. They've shared scripture with you. And you've never personally asked them and said, hey, I know that you're with me. I know that you love me. I've never asked you personally, could you just help me in my walk? And so what this is, it's just an introduction into that. And what it turns into is a really beautiful moment. I, I had a pastor friend who did this before, and, and um, one of my close friends came up to me, and he said, hey, Randall, I want to give you my card. He says, you, you've, already, you've already been doing this in my life, but I just want you to know that you've got the permission to, uh, to speak truth in my life. And it was just a really cool, powerful moment where we were able to sit down together and, and just pray. And I said, man, I, I feel the same way about you. And here's the cool part. We're still friends today and we still do that for each other. Like we're, we're far apart. He's up in Seattle. We're, we're down here. But you know what? We talk and we have conversations and he, he tells me, hey man, like, here's what I see in you. Would you help me with this? It's a friendship, it's a relationship. And so on here it just says this, my name, my friend, and I give you permission to speak gospel truth in my life. I wanna become more like Jesus. I wanna be, that, because that's the goal. That we're in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And so John 13, remember that. And so seek outside voices, practical way to do that. And the third is seek God's glory. Seek God's glory. See, look, look at John 13, 17. It says this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Here's what a, a blessed life doesn't look like. You're gonna get everything you want. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth. 
A blessed life is when God's in your life and when he's everything and when it's about his glory and not yours. It's not about pride, but it's humbly coming before him and saying, God, I want this to be about you. And he says, you, you will be blessed. And it will be a completely different definition than the way the world would tell you what blessing is. You'll feel it. Even in hard times, you'll know he's with you. You know he's helping you. You'll know that he's enough. You're living for God's glory. Um, there's a Veggie Tales that <laughs> you love starting with that, right? Like Veggie Tales is just uh, some cartoons that uh, are biblical stories for kids. And uh, one of the, the the cool things is that um, you know my kids are able to really learn the gospel through these cartoons. And um, there was one cartoon that was done about St. Patrick. And we, we got St. Patrick's Day coming. I mean, we even got the green light cards here. You know, so it's, it's all green. But um, I never knew the story of St. Patrick until I watched the, the VeggieTales version. And when I saw it, I was amazed. I was truly amazed. Because what I learned, and, and I'll just share a story with you, is that his name wasn't Patrick, but it was um, Maywin Suckett. Maywin Suckett. And he was actually British. He wasn't Irish. And when he was 16 years old, he was captured into slavery and taken to Ireland. And when he was growing up, his parents went to church. They were good church-going people, but he really didn't know what he believed. And so as he was captured by these pirates, taken to Ireland and made to work as a slave for six, maybe some say seven years, he learned what prayer was. And he said he got to the point where he was praying a hundred times a day in his confession. He wrote this down. He said, I was praying up to a hundred times a day. And then he heard a, a voice from God. And this voice told him, you need to go you need to escape and you need to go 200 miles to a boat. And it'll be waiting for you to take you back to your home. And so he listened to the voice of God. He walks this journey. He gets to the boat. They say, you can't come on, but we're going to where you want to go. He prays fervently. They let him on the boat. He gets back to his homeland, back to his family, everything goes into, you know, ministry, uh, vocational ministry, learns, grows, is discipled. And then he hears a voice again, and the voice tells him to go back. <laughs> tells him to go back. It says, he, he got this vision of people in Ireland saying, please, come teach us about God. And so he said, I need to go. And he lands on this island where it was just ruled by druids and just really barbaric culture. And he just humbly comes in there and he trusts the voice of God. And by the end of his life, he baptized 120,000 
Irish people and planted over 300 churches. And people would make fun of him. They'd say, well, you, you listen to this voice of God and you're serving God and doing things for the glory of God. And that's just strange. He said, the only way that I survived the terrain of Ireland is because of God, him. And this is his prayer. He says, Christ be within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort me and restore me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ inquired, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. He said, you know, I, I, I felt like, in his confessions, he says, I, I, I feel like God allowed me to be captured and taken into slavery to be humbled, to be humbled. He says, I was on a path of pride and God allowed me to do something bigger with my life. See, the only way that we can be humbled is looking at the humble king. The only way that pride can really be paid for and dealt with is through the cross of Christ. And let me just end with this verse from Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You have this. It's yours in Christ. Who through, or though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was our pride that put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus came down humbly to kill our pride, to put a death to it, so that we could live as servants of his, growing, learning more and more of what it means to live the truth of the gospel, and that he's enough. Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that we're able to come and to find healing in Jesus and what he's done for us. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to not fall into the trap of pride, but truly be under the authority of Christ and what he's done in our lives. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.